Hello, my name is Mark Taylor and welcome back to the National Association for Primary Education. Now today we're going to be talking about climate, but more importantly, climate in relation to young people and how they'd like the education system and hold the whole learning experience to be related to them and what it is that we want their future to really look at. So Robson Augustus joining me from Teach the Future. Hi Robson, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me, Mark. So Tell us, first of all, what is Teach the Future and, and what, is, what are its aims and objectives? So Teach the Future is a student-led organisation. So our goals and aims is to have an increase in climate education in schools, have all school educational buildings be carbon neutral, um, and also just make sure that when, because currently, um, climate education is often restricted to specialist subjects at GCSE level, we want the climate climate change and the climate crisis to be taught across the board from primary school upwards to the end of A levels, and it be not be mandatory. And it's done in a way that can keep every age engaged, and we know what's going on, and they know what's going on. And tell me a little bit about um, your role in the in the organisation. Yeah, so I'm a volunteer coordinator. So. We've got some staff that work with us. All of us are students who work with Teach the Future or at Teach the Future. And um, so I'm a volunteer coordinator. So my current sort of coordinating group, I work with local local councillors, metro mayors. So that's the group I work with currently. But we've got a wide range of different groups that people work with. So from, um, from like MPs, so we've got some lobby groups. We've also got ones who are involved in get, contacting teachers personally, getting them involved so they can, they've still got a lot of power in the classroom about what they teach. And um, we've got a wide range of groups. So what I do is basically with the local elections coming up in May, my goal is to reach out to councillors, get them involved, especially with Metro Med as well with their elections coming up in May, to get them to sign on to the Teach Future pledges and really have this big push from politicians across the political parties to come on board and really push for green education in our schools and already we can really get the sense that this isn't just sort of an idea of what you'd like to be the case it's incredibly well organized it's got a focus like you say it's got these goals that you're trying to achieve so give us an idea of the sorts of numbers of people um, that are actually involved and in, in, in how they work in those different areas yes yeah, so currently we have just as volunteers we have around I would want to say about 100 volunteers who are who are active and they come to meetings and they go out. We've got also uh, nation, national groups. We've got England, Wales and Scotland. They have their own uh, branches, you would say. So they, they help uh, really target um, different politicians and also just what's happening in Scotland. With them, they've got different education systems who are in England. So that, that helps. Um, with the teachers, we're setting up a teachers network and that's ever expanding. So I can't really remember the number for that. Mm -hmm. But probably by the time this goes out from today, it always increased. So it's sort of this ever moving, this growing group of people who are coming in. We're having onboardings all the time for students to come on board and help us with the campaign. It's, it's an ever growing movement. And I, I love the fact that it's not just about this is what we'd like to be taught or what we'd know more about you know the fact that you want carbon neutral schools and the fact you want to actually you know getting to the point where we're actually living what we're talking about really i think is incredibly important 
Um, and and I think one other really key issue I think here is the fact that how does it work in terms of what you'd like to achieve, which you feel you've got that positive momentum? And I'm assuming that, like you say, that fellow students and teachers are probably thinking, yes, this is something we want to really get our our, our teeth into and to, and to really pull forward. But have you got any sort of pushback from MPs or, or kind of the establishment, not because they don't think it's a good idea, but just the practicalities of how that might actually come into fruition? We've had definitely had pushback from some sort of the establishment of some MPs, but I'm going to be honest, we've got MPs from every party in the House willing to um, help. And we've got from Tories to Labour, the Lib Dems, Caroline Lucas from the Green Party, have all really been very positive about our movement. I think with the current, like if it was 10 years ago, it might have been a different story, but I think everyone's now well aware of what's happening. And what we're not, what we're asking for isn't, massively radical at all teach the future we've had very little we've sat down it's very just small changes but they all make a big difference i think it's not especially when it comes to the education side i think people see a need especially politicians for climate change to be taught in schools now because it is going to affect how people live we're all gonna have to change our lifestyles to, to help combat it and i think that's why mps now a lot of them have become more aware of it are willing to take action and when we come along we've already put connected MPs together to talk we've also got the aims on the website we can come out and we can show them this is what we're thinking about happening will you support us and that's and that has actually been very effective and um and how long have you actually been in, in existence so i've been i personally been at teach future uh, probably around six seven months now but I knew it's probably about a year and a half. So I think it spawned from the climate protests back in sort of March, April time in 2019. So it spawned from there and then it slowly grew. And it's it's only it's been very recently that like these new, like I talked about earlier, the branches have formed for each nation. They're pretty new. And it's formed from different climate, uh, climate networks. So the UK SCN, which is the United Kingdom Student Climate Network, that brought a lot of people together during the strikes. And what you saw is groups break off from that, like Teach the Future, which now sees what we're talking about today and the aims and put together. So I believe it's about one and a one and a half years it's been together. And I also really liked what you said before about it sort of really being embedded rather than a than a, than a topic. I mean, I've got a niece who's um in year one now, actually. And and I, and I know it was really interesting for, for her parents when she was sort of coming home and talking about recycling and and actually the things that they should be doing or saying, oh, this is what we've been talking about at school and that kind of thing. So I, I guess some of these things are starting to be talked about in school because, like you say, that they're part of our sort of social understanding and the things that teachers can do sort of around the curriculum or make it part of that, even if it's putting the paper in recycling for the paper and all of that kind of thing. I guess what we're talking about here is then taking it to that next level where you're really covering things in a, in a deeper level and making sure that everybody takes that forward. Yeah, well, my mum works in a primary school. She's a, um, she's the, oh, we've got a nursery school attached onto my primary school that I where I went to actually and she's the lead of that the nursery there so I know I hear it all the time about primary education and I can remember back when I did when I was at primary school which was seven eight eight nine years now 
last when I was last at primary school. I can remember like we did projects on STEM and it wasn't called STEM then, it was laid out as like supply. Like I can remember this probably back in year like two. I built, we had a team, we built sort of like a, a built like a shelter and sort of designed it. And it was get the design part out and stuff like that is easily done with the clim climate and recycling. And I think we know that as much I think as we grow older, and especially when you get to people like my age, we think that primary school kids probably might not understand. But I think they've got a lot wide, their brains are so able to adapt very quickly to new information that easily schools, schools could come up with a project or the government could come up with a project that schools could do together on recycling or even just climate change as a whole about how we adapt as a species and how we adapt our living styles and it could easily be done in schools because I think primary school age if we get that information in while they're that young and they understand it that young it makes them so much easier to go into more detail when they get older instead of trying to just start from nothing when you start doing GCSEs in like geography is currently the only one where it's really taught yeah, and I really enjoyed the, the conversation I had with Ed Moore, who's naturally on the National Council of NAEP, talking about his school and, and eco schools in generally and how they built their greenhouse and how they produce food and, and the kind of the getting students out of the classroom and actually taking part in what life is you know and this was sustaining yourself from a from a food base but then of course that just gives you that kind of um foundation then to talk about all things related to the climate and your climate and your community around you and, and like you said i think actually th there's two really positive things there one of course you're addressing the things which are really important that we're talking about but also you're also changing the whole education idea of not just being sat behind a desk the getting the fresh air um, moving around and all that kind of thing all of which is, is going to support each other yeah well um my mom uh, was a forest school not oh did the forest school at my uh, primary school she works at and i think that is a very effective way to get people when when they connect with nature if you can if you combine that with the classic classroom environments you get them out into the forest school but bring them back and talk about what trees do and you start laying out a, a thing about how they help combat co2 emissions and you've run a very basic understanding but even year six and year, year five and year six they go they go on in two years time to start to start at secondary school and start specialising in their sciences where they'll learn about that but if you get this very basic understanding of what co2 can do to the environment now trees and green life can really help combat that that really could help really get it will also push science to the forefront of our education and i think that'd be really crucial absolutely and so what is it that you would like people to do well, we're here sort of chatting about it and, it and um i think just the way it's organized and the way that you're talking about it and the way it's set up and the clear plan is absolutely brilliant um but what would you like the person listening to do is it a question of visiting the website to sign up to something how can they sort of actively support you so you can you can go to the website which is te uh, teachthefuture.uk and there's already a petition out on there that you can sign as a teacher and that'll send a mess that will be a petition that goes to the government about green education in schools but what you could do as a teacher is is really look at what how do you especially where teacher of or a key stage two you can always just look how do i incorporate the climate into our current curriculum and i understand that some teachers and some people listening to this will think that's going to be a difficult task and I, i'm not saying it's going to be easy but if you look, there's certain ones like 
I can't, we did some on the rainforests when I was at primary school. And that's something you can talk about, you can talk about deforestation, about how species are going extinct because of deforestation. You can easily link that back to, back to um, climate. I, I can remember at primary school when we did that, my teacher taught me about how the Amazon rainforest is the quote, lungs of the earth. And you can quickly briefly talk about how trees help turn one thing into oxygen, which we, helps us breathe. That's something you could do. You could easily look at areas in the curriculum where you've got gaps where you can slot climate education in until the government catches up with what I think is already happening in schools and which will only start to increase when with teachers starting to take their own initiative. When the government catches up and actually sends out support to these schools saying, oh, this would be nice if you could teach them about X or Y, that's when, uh, that's when you'll get the aid. But if you take these steps now, you'll be like a, grass move, a grassroots movement to push the government into saying, okay, this is what we want younger children to learn. This is what we want key stage two children to learn. This is what we want uh, key stage three and key stage four students to learn. So it's, it's really about just taking initiative now. Yeah, absolutely. And for those people that are volunteering, is there an average age um, that people sort of get involved and, and, and those sorts of things that they can help out with? Yeah, so currently we've got the mean age I would say of teachers around 15, 16. So you see sort of, you see sort of like, I wonder about some of our younger members of sort of just turned teenagers and the older ones put it like myself and another member who are, I've just turned 18. So there's a quite a large spectrum sort of the teenage ages. So what you normally see is with the onboarding, you see people sort of around year nine. So, so just, just as they're starting GCSE, so some of them are doing geography, that's where it really comes in. You still see them sort of heading towards joining the for the future. But we've also seen um, sort of interest. There's also other groups that it's the teachers network. So you can see teachers come and help us and they can say, oh, this is what we're doing in this school. Here's some resources ready to create a shared platform. But Teach Future as a whole is a student-led organisation of GCSE and A-level students. And I'm not saying primary school kids will be able to join because they are still quite young. And they've got, I'm sure they've got other matters like to do, like go, going out with their friends and trying to get build social skills up, which is also important. And when they get on, if this education has been built, they'll have a keen, more keen interest, I believe, in science and biology and chemistry and physics because they've been learned about climate at primary school. And I think science as a whole needs to take, this is personally not from Teach the Future, but I think science as a whole needs to take a forefront at primary school. So I think for me personally, that always inspired me science. I think it will inspire hundreds of kids, especially uh, uh, girls to get into STEM because that is where they're lacking currently. Yeah, and the other thing I really like is the fact that it's very easy for adults, parents, teachers, um, the schools themselves to say, you know, this is what we'd like to do or this is what we'd like to support. But I think there's something really, really supportive about seeing your slightly older peers doing something. You know, there's an organisation here that's been set up by people slightly older than me, if we're talking about sort of year five, year six people, um, and they've managed to create this change. You know, they've got organised, they, they've decided how they want the world to look from their point of view, and they've this is how they've gone about doing it. And I think whether they get directly involved as the age groups change, because I guess you lose people at the top end as you go off to diversity or into whatever, and then you get people coming through the bottom, 
but they can either actively obviously take part, but they also feel like whatever it is that they want to study, whatever it is that they want to be passionate about, whatever they want to make the world to look like through their eyes, they feel like it's possible because you're sort of leading the way in that kind of, in that kind of way. Yeah, and I think it's always important because when once these frameworks of these organisations have been built, other things come off them. Like when I was talking about uh, UKSCN earlier, which is, um, I'll say again, the United Kingdom Student Climate Network, that spawned uh, Teach the Future. And that came off that with volunteers and activists coming off and joining Teach the Future from that. And when you've got these frameworks being built, when these older primary school kids move up and I myself and the older ones sort of go off to university and start being a student, these people who talk, hopefully, the listeners will now take a keen interest in teaching the environment and climate change in, in primary school, then the young minds that you're shaping will move up and when they get into year nine, year 10, we'll say, oh, I can remember Teach the Future. My brother, cousin, my brother's friend was involved in that. And I might have a look. I might go on the website. I might sign a petition. Or I might even join as a volunteer. And and I think, like you said, it, this is where the awareness comes in, doesn't it? So any primary teachers listening, it might be that they have children of that age already. Or like you said, it's just the conversation. If I heard this podcast and I was, you know, I actually heard Robson on here and he was going to turn around and he was talking about what's been achieved already. And you have that conversation with your year five and year six class and they automatically know, like you say, it's not a big deal. It's those small little things that make a massive difference as you, as you go forward. Um, so what would you consider to be i don't want to say a win because this is a big conversation and, it, and it's a big thing and it's ever changing but in terms of an organization point of view you know is it every school carbon neutral is it um you know the curriculum being revamped in the way that you said so that every, you know climate change is an integral part of everything what what do you see as a win and i guess that might be in different I, sort of I, levels i do think teacher future is going to We've going to be, we know it's a long, going to be a long game before we get our three aims ready met and our aims sort of achieved. That'll be when the win comes. But even then, we're already talking about what happens if we get one aim done. Can we find something else that would like to be done? So, like, personally, I would be cut schools carbon neutral. When that happens, that's going to be a big day for the entire, because that is, that would, once the education start, education uh, buildings become carbon neutral, what will be next? military buildings or the government buildings will go start being pushed by the government hopefully seeing how for example if you put solar panels on school uh, on schools that might save the school some money from using their roofs and to create energy or wind or wind uh, wind turbine so stuff like that where it saves school money you might see the government say oh that's going to save us money if we transfer to green energy here and we set up we've got a large a large building, a lot of roof space, we can put some solar panels up, cut, cut a bit of the cost down. So it's also from a cost saving perspective quite important. But that'll be quite a big day, I think, for Teach the Future, where we can get, start getting buildings carbon neutral across the country. Another one would be when it's not when it's mandatory for climate education to be taught and people have a basic understanding of it. That will also be a big one because I think that will open up people's eyes. It'll also probably, we don't have it as bad in this country, sort of start dealing with climate deniers who don't really want to take action. That will hopefully start to be whittled down just due to the fact people now have the information and it's been taught to them at school. And I think that often helps. It'll be about, we teach the future. I think our, our goal as an organisation is to make education a lot greener than it currently is. And I think that's due to a lot of reasons. The education system is 
very ripe with not being reformed radically. It's often very slow, very sort of often not done effectively because teachers make the backbone of it and teachers know what they want to teach and they not blaming them at all. I'm saying that they often are the leaders of change and it often never comes from central government at all. It's head teachers. It's, it's teachers, general teachers who go, well, and that's why it's important for me to come onto this podcast and say to them, you can teach climate already. You don't have to wait for the government to say, come on, it's, you now need to do it because you have the ability to do it. You can easily slip climate facts into lessons. You can do, I'm sure you can find a lesson one week, one week every month or something, and just one little lesson, like they can have a lesson dedicated to climate. It's just about finding that time. It's about teach. This is why to teach the future is a student-led organisation. But we've also got our teachers. We need to teach that organisation because they're the one who bring the real change in the classroom. Yeah, well, that's uh, fantastic. It's a great call to arms in terms of being able to do that. And like you say, I can imagine the conversations that happen across both of those organisations in terms of being able to sort of demonstrate what is possible and how that goes on. That's only going to be a very positive thing. So just as we finish then, why don't you tell people again the website and, and exactly what it is you'd like them to do? So on, on the website, it's teachthefuture.uk. Um, so on there, when you, the moment you go there, you'll see a petition. Read what we're doing asking. If you agree with it, of course, sign it. Let's let's send a message. Well, if we get teachers and students involved, that's that's what education is. It's teacher and students. That'll send a message to the Department of Education. It's also about if if you're really interested, contact your MP about it. Not just about how you as a teacher want to be able to teach climate in your school. You want the government's help with that. You can also just as a teacher step up and you can take the stand and say oh we're doing this topic on environments as a whole deserts um rainforests if you're doing that in your curriculum or if that's in there or anything in the curriculum about nature and you can slip in bits about climate change when you talk about the rainforest i talked about earlier deforestation about how that's affecting the planet these young people very young people we're talking about primary school age have them have the capability i think we just as older students and teachers need to access that and I think they will bring the change because they've got these minds that have been allowed from a very young age to think about climate in the way that we think about it now. Fantastic. Well, Orbson, thank you so much for being here and for, and for sharing your passion and, and giving us a real understanding of that is we'll have um, the website and all those links and everything on the show notes to this episode so you can click straight through there. Um, yeah, and thank you very much for being here. Thank you for having me, Mark.